Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, the Renault Selection used car event, is now on. If you want to save thousands, check out this month's offers, including low APR finance, two years warranty, and roadside assistance. Terms and conditions apply. You're very welcome to Thursday afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Well, to be fair to Tottenham fans, we went mad about Liverpool yesterday yeah. on the show, and we're going to have to do Tottenham Harry, aren't we, today? We are. Well, fair juice to them. I mean, that was the most amazing. Watching? I did. I managed to watch the, 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 particularly the second half, and it was absolutely Incredible. unbelievable. How much, now, just before yeah, we start yeah, into yeah. the conversation about your new book, is mental resilience in a situation like that? And both occasions for Liverpool and Tottenham, important. Yeah, I, I think... I I think uh, it it shows really uh, for me there was one interesting uh, point that it shows what happens when individuals become a team Mm. in other words if if we play for each other do you know if we really believe that we can do something and we have enough belief and we work together rather than as a group of individuals it's amazing Really, in both cases, probably the lesser team won. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so that an interesting, uh, you know. In other words, analysis. that sheer, um, you know, that sheer thing of I'm going to get up and try. I'm going to try. It doesn't matter how many times in the match I'm knocked down. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep trying. And we'll play for each other, and and we'll support each other, and we'll be there for each other. It's the classic example of a community in action. You know, and that's actually why the two teams won, because their other two teams had wonderful individuals, but I'm not sure that they were able to overcome that incredible uh, power of the the group when it really is working together. Isn't there really a lesson for us as individuals and as uh, families and communities and societies in this? Exactly. And let's put it like that. We're going to be talking very very soon about the world of self-rating. And my goodness, the self-rating is about the individual. Whereas that was all about the group, you know, mm-hmm. how, how people were in the group, you know, saw their place in the group and, 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 and the effort. Remember, those two teams w- uh, won those matches because of the enormous effort they had put in long before they ever got there. It, this just, just didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, everybody says there is success now, 
But the success was not in them being the success. The success was all the hard work and effort of so many people uh, involved in, 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 in those matches. So they're a real lesson for life. I never <laughs> thought I'd start the show with Dr. Harry Barry talking about Liverpool and Tottenham and the Champions League. And I'll just tell you that later on we are going to be joined by some Tottenham fans yeah, who are naturally yeah, over yeah, the moon today. Yeah, yeah. But Harry, you're very welcome to the show. Yeah. You are a regular guest of ours. Each time a book appears, yeah. or even yeah. times besides you've been yeah. with it as well. Yeah. Harry's new book is called Self-Acceptance. And let me tell you this before we begin. Tell them uh, what the uh, Vice President of Twitter Europe said about this book. Yeah, a guy called Bruce Daisley, who's the Vice President of Twitter Europe and, and Asia, described this book as the most remarkable book you would read this year, which was, which was I, I was really thrilled mm. about. I was really chuffed at. And what I was really chuffed about, here was somebody involved in the social media platforms, which we'll be talking about later, uh, and of which I was incredibly critical of in the book. And yet he was honest enough to come out and say, this book actually reached him. It got to him. He, it, it, it suddenly got, I think he, he came back to me saying he, he, he was really, really taken by the book. It really challenged him. It made him really rethink. Mm. So when somebody like that is affected like that, you know that you, 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 you have made a point. It's a terrific endorsement. Yeah, yeah, now, yeah. There are several tenets to this book, but one of the big ones is this thing of self-esteem. And we've heard over the years people saying, oh, that person is suffering from low self-esteem. Yeah. Oh, that person is full of themselves. They, you know, they, yes, they yes. think they're... They have high self-esteem. That's high self-esteem, self-esteem. yeah. You're, you're really not this notion. No, no. I, 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 one of the real key things I wanted to do in this book was to try to eliminate for once and for all this obsession that we all have with self-esteem. So I'm going to give you the history of it and where it came from and why it's a myth. So, believe it or not, self-esteem was created in the 1800s by, a guy, by the father of psychology, the guy who created psychology called William James. And he described it as a ratio of the number of successes over the number of failures that you have in some area of life that you're interested in, which was the most crazy, unstable definition. But that was the definition that was in play for ages. And then in the 1960s, a fellow called Rosenberg came along and he described self-esteem as a person's sense of value or worth. And the whole self-worth, self-esteem revolution began. And then in the 1980s, as everything interesting happens in California, it started in California. And the Senate in California decided that, you know, if we could improve everybody's self-esteem, even though nobody really knew what it was, uh, we would, we, our mental health would improve, crime would drop, addiction would drop, academic results would improve, workplaces would be happier, and they would make more taxes. And the self-movement... Uh, uh, thing was born in the States and it has spread worldwide. And of course, this guy, uh, Rosenberg, came up with actually even the scale of measuring your so-called self-esteem. But of course, the whole thing fell at the first hurdle. So the, the simplest way of putting this is, if I asked you as a human being to rate yourself between one and a hundred, give me a rating, Jerry. Oh my God, that's a very difficult question. Isn't it? You know. and, and you know, you're asking me to assess myself. Yes. So you might give yourself, let's say you gave yourself a, a healthy assessment of, we'll say, 70. Mm. And then I said to you, well, now somebody said you were a terrible parent. Where would you rate yourself then? You'd have to look at that figure and say, my God, it has to drop and drop substantially. drop. And then word goes out that you're a terrible parent. What do you think everybody else would rate you? Would it go down as well? Yeah. So I it, see. So it's not gone. Yeah. So in other words, suppose I told you that your ratings this, this for the last three months were fantastic. Mm. Would, you, would, your, would you put yourself higher on the scale? You would. Yes. So in other words, that you were basing your, your assessment of yourself based on something that happened. Mm. But the bottom line is, 
can a human being be rated like that at all? No, because we change. But no, because we're all different. I'm different, yeah. So suppose I said to you, mm. think about it, a person's sense of value or worth. Yeah. So it, gets, it goes back to the term worth. Self-esteem means self-worth. In other words, my value as a person. So if we're actually saying that we can measure the value of a human being who is absolutely unique and special, yeah. well, then we're immediately in trouble. So the, where it fell at the first hurdle was human beings are not commodities. They're not items for sale like the Mona Lisa. Mm. Do you know what? We're all wonderful, special, unique people. We can't be compared from one person to another. And it'll go up and down, as I'm saying, with yes. different circumstances and exactly. time and life situations. But believe it or not, be, I'll go in, that's personal rating. Yeah. But, but believe it or not, just to get rid of self-esteem for once and for all, 20 years ago, the American Psychological Association brought in, all, brought in these three world experts to analyse all the academic research on self-esteem. And they blew it out of the water. They actually called it 20 years ago a myth. They said it's impossible to define, it's impossible to measure, and all these claims that all these groups had been making were shown to be completely false. Mm. So in other words, self-esteem is one of these myths that's got into our community and and we're we're obsessed with boosting the self-esteem, particularly of our young people, and of course, the more we go down that road, the more we encourage them down the word, the road of self-rating. Yes. Now, self-rating is what I'm really interested in. Self-esteem is what we talk about, but self-rating is actually what we're all doing. Mm. So personal self-rating is what we were doing when we did that little exercise. Yes. So personal self-rating is, is, is where I'm putting a value on myself as a human being based on what's happening to me at that moment in time. So if things are going well, I think I'm a, I'm a success. And if things are going badly, I think I'm a failure. And the trouble with self-rating, of course, is the real problem is we merge our rating of our behaviours, which are, include our skills and our talents, with who we are as a human being. And then the fun begins, because that's what we're doing in modern life. Modern life is obsessed with rating. Every part of our lives now is being measured and rated and judged from your radio ratings to your academic points, to your success in the sports field, to the workplace, to every part of our lives. We're, we're obsessed with rating. And then we get into the world of social media. And it's very interesting in the book I showed that uh, there's uh, we talk about the rise in, 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 in mental health difficulties in young people. But there was actually a parallel rise in from the last 15 years of the rise of social media with the rise of mental health problems. So they're actually in there's parallel. a correlation. There's there. a strict correlation. So when my wife says to me, Harry, yeah. it's not a competition, you know, she yes. says that. Many times. Yes, but she's, she's actually right. But what we actually do is we merge who we are as a human being with our success or failures in different areas of our lives. And that's where the problem starts. And it's a critical thing in mental health. Because, for example, let me give you a good example of this now. If I, if I have a person who suffers from being anxious, well, what's happening is I'm making these demands. If something doesn't happen, then I'm a failure. Yes. I'm personalising it. Yeah. Whereas, in fact, I should be analysing really what am I, you know, what demand am I making? To, let's take depression. Depression is the only illness in the whole of mental health where the person believes they are the problem. So I am the, the worthless person. I am a useless person. I have no value, rather than that it is the condition which is causing the problem. And look at eating disorders. If my body image isn't right, then I am a failure. So it's like as if we're living in this world of constant, persistent rating. And then when we get into social media, 
And we have all these platforms like uh, Facebook and uh, and Instagram, particularly. And I really you want to don't pick out, like Instagram. I think Instagram. Uh, a young girl said to me recently, uh, a girl in her late teens. She said, "I hate Instagram." And I said, well, "Why do you hate?" Because because it's making me totally unhappy. So when I went into why, because she was ending up comparing herself, comparing herself, trying to create these perfect images and tweaking everything online to put up these false pictures of ourselves and then basing how we rate ourselves again. Here we go back to the personal self rating based on what people, other people think of my images. So in other words, it's, it's almost destined to cause problems. So were you better... Chucking it, getting I told away her, from it clear. altogether. I said, "Why do you need it in your yes. life? Get rid of it." But we, but we need to 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 start challenging young people in terms of self-rating because young people are being sold all these messages. You must be academically smart. You must get X number of points. You must get to certain course in college. If you don't, then you're there's this understood kind of thing going on that you're a failure. You're not successful, and that person begins to internally personally self-rate. Mm. And we'll talk about the critic maybe. In That's inside. That's inside. So Harry. Is there a measurement? Or, or, or what is it about? Is it just accepting? Accepting. It's all about unconditioned self-acceptance. We cannot measure a human being. And if you, if you, if you struggle with that, put your three children at home on the couch and, and tell me how you would rate one versus the other. And of course we'd all in horror say, for goodness sake, how could I? Sure, Johnny is totally different to Mary, is totally different to Jack. And of course they are, because they're three wonderfully special, unique individuals. Mm. So we cannot rate human There's no measurement to measure a human being. But we can certainly assess our behaviour. We can certainly assess our skills. We can certainly assess our talents. And one of the big uh, difficulties we have is that we, we, we fall into this world of the internal critic, the, the PC, the internal critic. But before, before I go to that guy, I want to talk about unconditioned self-acceptance, what the book is really all about. Dr. Harry Barry is with me on Late Lunch and we're talking about his brilliant new book called Self-Acceptance. Now, you're going to talk about unconditional yes. uh, self-acceptance. Can I ask you something for a moment? Yeah. Do you know the way you talk about someone having potential or not reaching their potential or yeah. achieving that? Can you unconditionally accept who and what you are and your circumstances if you don't want to? you know, go there. Yeah, I think the first thing is we all have to accept ourselves unconditionally, which means being kind to ourselves uh, uh, and accept ourselves. But I just want to go to a guy called Ellis, who okay. is the father of CBT. And he created the concept of unconditioned self-acceptance, where he said the problem with self-acceptance is that we need to, that, that we need to get rid of it because human beings need to be comfortable with themselves and not rate their essence or their being or who they are. But accept responsibility for a behaviour. And there is the sting in the tail. So what he was actually doing was he was separating who we are as human beings, which cannot be rated. And we must learn to be, accept ourselves uh, from our behaviour, which we definitely have to take responsibility for. So the answer back to you, if somebody wants to assess whether or not um, my, my talents in some areas are being reached or whether I'm trying to do something or not trying to do something, they're more than entitled to do so. But it doesn't mean that I, as a person, am a failure or, or, or worthless or useless. Yes. That's the bottom line. And, and, and that's what gets into somebody maybe who sort of feels that, that yes. they feel they haven't or, yeah. you know, this thing underachieving. Yeah, lots of people will say, well, I haven't achieved as much in my life. Well, I would say, you know, 
if you are saying that there's areas of your life that you need to work on, well, that's absolutely fine. Do you know what I mean? But be comfortable with who you are. But take responsibility. It's, it, there's no point in saying uh, I'm, I've underachieving, but I'm not going to make any effort. My answer back, Ellis would challenge you and you say, hold on a minute now. You are responsible for your behaviour. So if you certainly want to achieve certain things in your life, you are going to have to have discomfort and difficulty and hard work and effort like Liverpool to, and Spurs to get there. So in other words, it doesn't abscond. Actually, unconditional self-acceptance is the most challenging resilience skill of all because it's teaching you to be comfortable with yourself, not with yourself, but challenge your behaviour. And that's a far more difficult thing to do. And the reason that we all struggle is we all have all this internal pathological critic, this internal critic, this bully inside. This is the guy that comes from our upbringing and, and our adolescence and our upbringing and things that happens in adult life. And we develop this little voice in our head, this little bully. And he tells us we're stupid, we're useless, we're unlovable, we're worthless, we're failures, we're not going to achieve anything. And this guy is chirping away as long as we allow him to chirp away. And of course, in the adolescent brain, he's having a ball. And if you add in social media, he's really having a ball because social media encourages your critic to, to, for the young person to believe that they are useless, they're worthless, they're different, they're abnormal, they're weird, which underlies anxiety, social anxiety, depression, eating disorders and all the rest of it. So the, the trick is really that what the PC is trying to tell you is you're useless. He doesn't want you thinking about the fact that it's not you that's useless. It might be something that you're doing is useless. So the secret to unconditioned self-acceptance is to learn to challenge on paper, which is which, which is a skill that I teach in the book, and then how to apply that in the workplace, in relationships and mental health and all these different parts of our life. Because what we're all doing in our, is we're merging our behaviour with who we are and our skills and talents. So, for example... A really good example. Suppose uh, you did badly on the sports field and you came off and you, you were sitting there feeling very depressed and very anxious about the next match because you believe that you're a failure. Your critic is then having a ball. He's saying, you're right, you're just a failure. You're never going to mount anything. You're just useless. And your parents are right. You know, they expected more of you. Do you know what I mean? And your teachers and your coaches expected more of you. And all this nonsense is going on in your head. But suppose you got it out on paper and challenged it on paper. Well, what the hell does it mean that I'm a failure? Can a human being be a failure or a success? Success is the great myth. There's no such thing as a success as a person. However, we can fail or be successful at a particular task or job we give ourselves or assignment we give ourselves or whatever we, we want to do in our lives. And the only failure in life is not getting back up again. And that's the one that I keep saying to people over and over again. You're going to fail. You're going to mess up. You're going to make mess. You get up like, like all those teams uh, that got to the final. They failed regularly along the way. Liverpool failed in the final last year. Do you know what I mean? So they hopefully will learn something and maybe go a step further the next time. You know, Spurs have only now got to this stage. for. But remember, all of that was hard work, effort, failing, trying, getting up, failing. That's resilience. That's self-acceptance. But suppose you, you were sitting in the corner feeling sorry for yourself. You know, I'm just a failure. Well, then I don't have to do anything. I don't have to make any effort. I'm just going to sit there feeling sorry for myself. And of course, that's not, that's not real resilience. So our young people are in desperate trouble. I looked at the mental health statistics, uh, Jerry, and they were terrifying. I looked at them for America, the uh, UK and Ireland. And there is carnage going on, especially in the campuses university campuses because we've all these young people who are playing these rating games with themselves who are not being resilient who are not able to cope with life 
they're, if they fail at all, they're, 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 they're just crashing. They, they can't cope. They're not resilient. Which comes back to something as a parent or somebody yeah. looking after a young person today. You know the way you like to say, oh, you're great and build yes. them up. Yes. Do you need to do that all the time? Or must you give them I talk a dose about, of reality you know, I, 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 had a, I have a great section in the book on this for parents. Do you know mm. what I mean? About the whole world of over-praising. For example, if I keep saying to her, this is where the self-esteem myth came in. We were told if we don't keep praising our children, tell them they're wonderful, tell them they're fantastic, then their self-esteem is going to be low. And then we'll be responsible if they get mental health problems. But of course, it's not like that at all. The more we over-praise our children, suppose your, your child is not doing particularly well, is not making a particular effort, but you keep saying, ah, but you're great and you're doing fine and you know, I'm really pleased with you, keep going. No, I think we have to be honest with the child and say, no, I'll praise the effort you're putting in. I will never praise the results. So in other words, I don't care if you get 600 points in the Leaving Cert or 300 points in the Leaving Cert. If I feel that you have been trying your best, I'm going to praise you to the hilt for the effort you put in, not for the final results. And there is a key message for coaches and sports field, for parents. And it's even a big message even for business. Like lots of businesses are crucifying uh, people and putting them under enormous pressure by rating them, rating them, rating them, rating them. And in the process, the danger is that they begin to uh, assign their success on these ratings ag- against who they are as a human being. So it's, it's this big message for society. Sister Stan the other night uh, gave this beautiful message. She said she, said she thinks this is a revolution. She said if we could get unconditional self-acceptance into individuals and into communities. She said it would revolutionise society because we would all start thinking a different way. We'd stop playing this crazy rating game that we're all playing. We'd stop being so hard on ourselves but take more responsibility for our behaviours. What an amazingly... Suppose we suppose you're young people and they said, no, I'm going to take responsibility for all parts of my life. Do you know what I mean? I'm, I'm the one who has to get myself to school in the morning. I'm the one who has to learn how to, to cook and to wash and to do all the things. I'm the one who has to put a bit of effort in if I want to get if I want to get to a certain point in life. Not because I want to get 600 points, but because maybe I want to go on and, and do something uh, with, with my life. I might want to be a fashion designer. I might want to be a plumber. I might want to be a, a sculptor. I might want to be... Uh, a teacher, a doctor, a nurse, or whatever it happens you want to be. You can be whatever you want to be, but you, you're only going to get there with hard work and taking responsibility for yourself. Not by being told that you're fantastic and you're brilliant and, you're, and putting that huge pressure being put on you to be a success all the time. It's all about learning. Look, along the way, I'm going to fail often. I'm going to mess up. I'm going to make mistakes. It's going to be tough. It's going to be difficult. But the only failure in life is not getting back up again. And unconditional self-acceptance is that beautiful place where I'm happy with myself. I don't want to be somebody else. I don't think I'm a weak person. I don't think I'm a worthless person. A worthless person is the classical term out there. If I asked you, what do you mean by the word worthless? You would probably say to me, uh, well, it's my value. Well, I would. I said to an English professor one time, well, is that value in sterling or euros? In other words, can human beings be, be measured in that kind of way? No, they can't. You know, can. So in other words, if you're worth less than somebody else, must be worth more. And that in the essence really is what the book is all about. This is another seminal work, may I say yes, to you, yep. Harry. Congratulations Thanks very much, uh, once Harry. again. It's called Self-Acceptance. It's widely available yes, at the moment. Yep. And I say to you, you should get this book. Parents... Young people, 
get it, read it and put it into practice. For the moment, Dr. Harry Barry, as usual, thank you so much for joining us. It was a pleasure, Jerry. Thank you. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. The Renault Selection used car event is now on. If you want to save thousands, check out this month's offers, including low APR finance, two years warranty and roadside assistance. Terms and conditions apply. I have a lovely story for you on Late Lunch now because... There's a man returning to the show who you know well. He's so well known known in the North East. He's from Dundalk. He sailed the seven seas and he's been with us on Late Lunch many times in the past. And I'll say hello to him again today. Pat Murphy, you're welcome back to hello, the show. Jerry, great to Good be to back see you again. Everybody. And along with Pat today is his partner, Geraldine Court. Geraldine, good to see you. Thank you you very much for joining me on the show today. Now, Pat, let's remind listeners about you and your history with us and a bit of your life history as well. Your late wife, uh, Olivia, was in the studio with you. She was indeed. And myself a few years back, wasn't she? Shortly before she passed away. Yes, and and that was sudden, wasn't it? It, it Unexpected. She was diagnosed with cancer in March of 2015. And died a couple of in August 2015. My God, never, it was a brief illness. Never taken her life. Never taken her life. Ah, so. And you really missed that woman. Very, very much. To tell, I was in a very, very bad way because we had a great relationship right from I met her in 1964. And my dark man, and I came up, came up to work in Dublin in 63, and I met this lady in Dublin, lady in 64, and we hit it off immediately. And uh, we got married in 67. We had a great life, and uh, we, we actually, people probably know that we spent nine years sailing around the world That's together. Right. What a story that is in itself. And uh, I can't say we didn't have a row. But, you know, we survived it okay on it. <laughs> Doesn't that show me that person that hasn't? And I won't be able to uh, get it, touch them even because there's no such person, especially, to be honest Especially, with you. like, from the Galapagos Islands to the next land took us 23 days together on mm. this 41-foot sailing boat. God, you'd have to get on, wouldn't you? You really would, Pat. The, how many children have you? Three, three boys. Okay, and they're all grown up. And you've grandchildren? I have three grandchildren. Okay, so, yeah, 20, so you know the the family grew as well from the two of you with your boys and your grandchildren. Now I remember you coming back here to me and sitting in that chair. How long was it after Olivia passed away? Was it a year? or It so? would be something like that. I think yeah. I was giving a talk in the area. You were something else, maybe on the Ascot or something. I'm, I'm not too sure. Okay, but uh, yeah, I, I was in a very bad way. I mean, I'm not religious, right? Although I was brought up religious. But I respect people for their beliefs and everything. Mm. I, I do that very much so. Mm. It. But if I had believed that there was a life hereafter, I would have joined Olivia. That's how serious it was. But I, I've now, and I thought my life was finished. But things have turned out. Much better now. They certainly <laughs> Great. Are. They certainly I'm smiling are. now. I'm and smiling. that's why we're here today. This is a love story you're hearing, folks. Okay, so what happens? Time passes and you're lonely. Nearly two years after Olivia died, I, I wasn't socialising. I wasn't going out. I was... I'm, people said how are you how are you feeding yourself Pat because I was never into it into it and I said to people have you ever heard of Meals on Wheels oh of course we have have you heard of Meals on Feet I'd say to them no well Meals on Feet is when your son is and his family live next door to you and your other son lives next door to him and they walk in with the food that's Meals on Feet and I became great at microwave cooking. 
Okay. In fact, I rang, I tell him I rang Dorina Allen to know did she do a course on microwave cooking and she was insulted. <laughs> I'm sure she was. But anyway, no, Pat, go, come move, on. Moving, moving on. All right. People, okay. So people, people said to me, said to me, well, why don't you go online, Pat? And and you never know, you might meet somebody. And I said, you must be joking. Me at 74 going online or something like that. So anyway, I did go online and I, I joined a, um, a site called Singles Over 50. I probably hey, Pat, that was stretching it I, a bit. I know, I was. At 74, <laughs> singles over 50. I know, I was Come on. Me, I know, come on. Adam. Take me hat <laughs> off to you anyway, Pat. Well done. So on you went. Don't, and listen, might as well chance it, you know. <laughs> Why not? Did you set up a couple of dates for yourself? Set up a couple of dates. I met some very, very nice ladies. And it was just companionship they wanted mm. on it. Very nice. And then there was one young lady saw my picture on the site and we made contact with each other. And this young lady takes a train from Carrick and Shannon, and I met her at Connolly Station. <gasps> and had your flowers? No, no, no. Had no. your flowers? Come on, Geraldine. No. Had he flowers? No. Had he flowers? No, no. no like and, and and how did how did you? Oh, oh she, you had a picture of him, Geraldine. Had you? Um, I didn't officially join that website. Oh, come surprise, on. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. Um, well, my circumstances were different. My husband's been dead just over five years now. Okay, and you lost very, your husband. Yeah, very, very ill for 16 years leading up to oh. um, leading up to it. So it was different. There wasn't a shock element, but there is still a shock. You know what I yes. mean? Um, and have you children? I have one daughter. Just Lovely. One daughter, yeah. And grandchildren? And three sons, three grandsons. Oh, God, are they? Yeah. Are you have three and three on either right, side with right. grandchildren. So go on. Yeah. yeah. Um, what do you mean you, you didn't join I, I, that side? I... <laughs> I coped very well. I thought I coped very well. Um, somebody suggested, you know, work. Just get when you come back from the funeral, just get stuck into work. And I did. I was baking bread and making homemade wines and God knows what and jam for people. And I didn't give myself time to think. Um, but I found after maybe three years, I was getting fed up with all that sort of thing. I, ha- I was in a couple of clubs. I was in a, a U3A. I was in a writer's group. Um but I felt empty as well somehow. Can't explain it really. Just sort of, I felt lonely. Although I did know a load of people, yes. and I was meeting people. And you can um, be extremely yeah, lonely. Lonely in a crowd. Yeah, mm. good friends. Um, I also went through a bad patch where, like, when Brian died, he was like a. It was like a domino effect. He was the first of like six family members that went bang within a year. I know. So, so I don't know where my head was when I look back now. But I came through. I did come through it. Um, and I think I felt angry at the end of it. I was thinking, this isn't right. It's just not right. I'm I'm not dead. I am alive uh, and I want to live. Um, and I, I looked at this website but only looked at it because I hadn't the courage to do anything about it. And I am denied to myself and I thought, shall I, shan't I? And then I thought, OK. And I tried to join and I'm rubbish with the old technology and I couldn't join or whatever I was doing I was hitting the wrong keys and I couldn't and they must have given up with me and taken pity on me and all of a sudden four photos flashed up and he was the first one and I thought he looks normal he's got a hat on he's got a bottle of beer in his hand and a dog on his lap I might go for that one (laughs) but I still was hovering with my finger I didn't quite click I didn't know what to do anyway I did I did, and the rest is history. And I didn't even, I didn't even pay to go on the site. It was a total one-off, just like that. Isn't that brilliant? And click, (laughs) click being the app (laughs) word, because these two certainly clicked. So you go to Connolly Station, this lady comes up from Carrick and Shannon, and you meet... 
what did you feel? Like I know you saw a photo of him. What did you yeah. feel? First impressions well, with yeah, you? A big smile, very, very pleasant, beaming face and everything. Yeah, very, very nice guy. And I think before we actually left the station, he was kind of saying, well, look, this is who I am. He says, I've got big ears and I've got something and I've got a water something. And I thought, do I really need all this information? But it was quite endearing as well because he was like saying, look, this is who I am. This, I'm here. Um, you know, I'm not giving you any rubbish sort <laughs> of thing. Oh. Hey, Pat, you, yeah. you played your hand completely <laughs> no, no, in no. Connolly Station. Well, no, I know. It was like brief encounter. Not. <laughs> <laughs> what did you feel? The thing is, she came off the, the train and I saw her coming and then she says, I've got to go to the toilet. <laughs> And I said, she's gone. <laughs> yeah, no, the train was full and I was <laughs> desperate for the loot. And I said, how, but, how'd you do? Nice to meet you. Where are the toilets? <laughs> <laughs> but she she, she came back and, and we took the Lewis down to Collins Barracks to show her my masterpiece, the Asgard down there, yeah. and, right? Yes. And I remember going down on the, the Lewis that we were talking about. I kept talking to everybody. And I could talk to a guy and I said I was on a blind date, didn't I? Yeah, I thought you knew him because you were so intimate the way you were chatting. And Never then right at the end of it, he said, I'm on a blind date. And I thought, oh, I don't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> and we were down to the Asgard. We had lunch and I met. I was got yeah. talking with people there, telling them all about the Asgard like I normally do. And we had, and then we, we came back and Joe got the three o'clock train back, back to straight back Carrick. Yeah. And yeah. the following weekend then, that was on, on a... On the Tuesday, following weekend, she came up and we uh, took the boat across to Malahide. You actually and that was the got onto the boat with him. I got onto on the, the second boat. Shane, day. Shane came with us, didn't Shane he? Because I can't you. crew, I can't do anything. Okay, well. and not, Shane not is much. your son, is yes. it? Yeah. Yes. Okay, so you, he actually and inveigled you on the second day yeah. onto the boat. But it's not very far. No, it's not very far. So. No, no. Yeah, had you been? Had you been on boats before? Well, I've well, been on the old. Yeah. Remember the old Hibernia with I, no no stabilizers? Yes, yeah, yes, I've been yes. backwards and forwards for years and years, but um, this was different, obviously. Obviously. So. When was that? When did you meet first? How long ago? The 8th of August, 2016. Oh, oh. 16. No! 17, sorry, 17. 17. Come on, Uh-oh. <laughs> Can we He's trying to add a year onto the relationship. Do you see that already? Yeah. Jerry, you can't replay that again. It's <laughs> no, no, it's all right. It's gone out. It's gone out to the world. We can't touch it anymore. Yeah, 8th of August, 2017. Great. 21 okay. months as of yesterday. Yeah. 21 months yesterday, that's right. I yeah. hope you're not counting month by month. No, I just thought I'd just <laughs> throw it in anyway. Yeah. So here we are, and you, may I say, you both look extremely happy. Yeah. Healthy and touch wood and happy, and it's important. You, you've yeah. got to live while you can, mm. haven't you? Now, here's the thing. You have three sons and grandchildren, mm. and you have a daughter and three grandchildren mm. as well. Mm. How did they, each of the families feel about this? Pat? Great. Great. I mean, my, my family are, are loving it. And my daughter-in-law and my son, they're all in with Jer nearly at night time and everything else on it. And they're re- e- no complaints. Everybody's happy. They don't have to worry about us now, you know, which is great. And Jer, your daughter, go ahead. Yeah. Um, and, and Linda, your daughter, uh, daughter-in-law, she, she says he's, she was only saying this to me the other night. He is so much happier than the man he was prior you know, which is very nice. Yeah. yeah, my daughter said to me, Mum, I don't worry about you with Pat. That says Isn't everything. Isn't that just yeah. brilliant? Folks, you're listening to <laughs> a marvellous love story and it just shows you love at any age. Yeah, Here we yeah. have the mirrors. Love is in the air. On late lunch this afternoon. Yes, it is. I'm telling you, folks. Pat Murphy in his 70s goes on to a, a website called Pat Singles, Singles Over, 50, Over 50. And 
this lady is with us today and she's uh, they're an item can I say that Geraldine am I alright to say that at this stage I after 20 odd obvious. months I think it's yeah obvious. it is quite obvious you live in Boyle in County Roscommon I do I do and yeah. uh, your home is there yep and that continues to be your home absolutely yeah yeah and Pat you're in in Dublin in your place as well what we actually say is I say that we have I have a country house in Boyle and Ger says she is a city pad city in Dublin. Pad in Dublin. <laughs> so we're, we're, well, we're together all the time. Yeah. You pair have it really <laughs> it well yeah. worked out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Tell us about the boat. Tell me well, the boat story. This is a Geraldine was, was never on a boat before, okay. right? So she's now, and she says, I'd love to learn to sail. Because she had this bucket list. I did. That she'd love to learn to sail. But I didn't, it wasn't a yacht. I was thinking something small, just to do the old paddling your own canoe thing. That's all. I wonder if I could learn to So I I said, I'll teach you, Joe, but you've got to start at the bottom. So we had our 41 foot yacht on a drying out pad in Holt. That's where you put it in at high tide. The tide goes out to clean it and everything else. And I had Geraldine with a high pressure hose in the muck and dirt. Cleaning the keel at the very bottom of the boat. Oh, so Pat. that's what I call starting at the bottom. Geraldine. Right? Wasn't know, it? I know. I'm a cursed but, woman kind. Well, if you survived that <laughs> and stayed with him, I'll tell you, this is forever. But, Jerry, fair juice her. A couple of weeks later, she climbed to the top of the 20 metre mast. My and camera. she took her camera with her and took photographs that I sent you on it. Just to. So she started at the bottom, went to the very top. Top, it's the bit in, in between. The middle, I'm co- struggling. The with middle it. is causing a problem. <laughs> now, hold on a minute. That's the main part of the thing altogether. Yeah, yeah tell him about going up the mast. Go no, on. It was, no, it was grand. It was okay. I think once you start some, I was nervous, but once you start something like that, there's, you can't back down. <laughs> uh, the difficult bit was the top because suddenly there is nothing to focus on. It is just space. Yes. you know. That accent tells us, of course, you. Yeah. Are from England? Collect, correct. And where are you from there? Yorkshire. And how long are you in Ireland and, and why did um, you come here? Right, well, my mother was Irish. Uh, mother was from Dublin, Hoth, Malahide area. And um, I've been coming backwards and forwards from being a child, obviously. Uh, my late husband, his father was from Armagh uh, and his mother was from Cork. And um, so it's, the, it's the old Irish dream thing, isn't it? Now, back in England, second generation, people say, oh, it's an Irish dream. And it certainly was Brian Mountain, my late husband's dream, big time. Anyway, we came over in actually 95, we came over to, to live. Uh, and we lived in Tremor down in... Um, Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, but it changed. <laughs> it started to get a bit like Blackpool. Mm. And um, much as I loved the coast and the sea, and we were on the beach three times a day, you know, collecting driftwood, walking with the dogs. It was wonderful, wonderful, like being on holiday for three years. I still hankered after the countryside. I think I like my greenery around me. I wanted my polytunnel and I wanted my vegetable patch. And you get all that, and then suddenly you realise you're all a lot older and one of you is going downhill and you just can't do it all on your own. So, yeah, I was living in Castle Plunkett then, which... and and Whilst I'm on it, if anybody's listening from that area, fabulous people mm. who helped me through so much. They were wonderful. Yes. The local farmers, lady across the road, everybody, good friend, Gwen and Steve. Yeah, fabulous, yeah. fabulous people with busy lives of their own but found mm. time for me. So, yeah. And Boyle is home but, now. Well, Boyle is home. Boyle's 25 minutes up the road further on from Castle Blanket. Yes. And it's a small, modern house. And I have lovely new neighbours, don't I? Have your garden still? A small garden, have which is enough for me. Do you grow your own? Nah, you're joking. Mm. Nobody wants your homemade jam anymore. Nobody wants it. 
Oh, you'd be surprised. <laughs> they drank the wine. They drank the oh, wine. I'm sure they did. <laughs> but you see, the way to a man's heart <laughs> is through his stomach. stomach. Yeah. Or carburetor. A little birdie has told me that you are one <laughs> kitchen goddess. Is she packed? Is she good? Indeed. Really the amount building of the me food up. that she produces and the variety of food. I have never, ever experienced in my 76 years, you know. And the way to a woman's heart is not to take her out in a little dingy boat, but (laughs) show her the yacht, Pat, and she's yours. Exactly, on it. But even last year now, we we sailed down to... uh, had some in Cornwall. My son was helping us to crewing as well. Oh, Rick Stein country, good. yes. Rick, yeah, 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 Padstein, yeah. as they call it. And then we did the Isle of Scilly. And going to Padstein. Are you loving it? Are yeah, you it's, loving it's being excellent. on the boat and on it's, the seas? It's um, not what people think. If you don't know, you get this impression it's all bikinis and gin and tonics, and it's not. It's a lot of work, in my opinion. You do have to work for what you get out of it. And you are always at the mercy of the weather and the tides. So you can only plan up to a point... Um, mm. So my love has become river sailing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Let me river ask cruising. you this on a slightly serious note. The love of your life will always be Olivia. Yeah. The love of your life will always be Brian. Yeah. But there is life. My God, there is. Beyond. There is. And, and no guilt. Don't feel guilt about it, for goodness sake. You've got to live. If It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. No regrets. Don't, don't look back with regrets on anything. And, and do you feel that Olivia, and, 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 and you know you told me you weren't that religious at the start of this, yeah, and if yeah. you were, what would have happened, which yeah, is very yeah. interesting what you had to say there. But I do have... A belief. Yeah, well, I, I accept that. And if, if I could say, if, if if she was looking down on us, and Brian, do you think they'd give their blessing well, to... Maybe maybe herself and Brian are chatting up there. Yes, you know, yes. And they're happy yes. to see us. Of course. On it. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I, think that, I think there is something, certainly. I don't know about the conventional religious ways, but I yeah. certainly do believe there is something. Mm. And I just believe that goodness prevails in whatever form. If it's wholesome and it's good... 
you know, we enhance each other's lives. We do, yeah, And as long true. as we do no harm to ourselves or each other or the people absolutely, close to us, absolutely. Why, why can't we, life we, just we, be we, grand? A wee dog that we that Oh, we yeah, don't talk, dog. yes. But we, it's our we, baby. We're, we're, we are prepared, we're not prepared to tell any of the listeners, or even you, you Jen, privately, you where the dog sleeps, OK? <laughs> Anywhere she likes. <laughs> That's all right. It's fine. That's all. We're just using our imaginations now. It's even better. Say nothing. Keep it to yourselves. Do you know something? This would just do... It's doing my heart good, and I'm sure it's doing so many people listening today good as well to listen to you. And it just shows you, well, Pat, it was well, worth just, taking that yeah, shot on the singles over yeah, 50. Just, just let me say quickly on it. Go on. Uh, after Olivia passed away, I had to get counselling. Mm. And the, the, the hospice people were very, very good to me, one-to-one counselling on it. But then I heard that there was a group counselling with Target and I went there for six weeks, a morning a week, and there were seven of us bereaved sitting around the table with three facilitators. And I found that very, very helpful to me because I'm listening to other people in the same type of situation. And at the end of the course, the organiser said, Pat, you were very good. You were actually helping other people. And there was me in a bad way but because I was listening to other people yeah, in the same situation thing. and I found that very very and I would highly recommend that to anybody, anybody who's and who's allow yourself to grieve you have to allow yourself to grieve uh, loving your interview Jerry from Castlereagh near Castle Plunkett yeah <laughs> John <laughs> Connolly oh no John <laughs> he's yeah, saying hello to you yeah, today yeah, and he's yeah, yeah. tuning in and listening to us John lovely to get the message for, from you oh my god almighty it, this is this is great it, it really is great and I know you are giving back to the hospice and cancer care mm, as well I saw mm, you out collecting both people. you and marvelous. helping yeah, helping yeah. With, with things there now, one other thing you had a lady on yesterday whose who's, uh, daughter was in hospital for two years yeah and the other sister goes in and does a homework on yes. it. And I think they're doing a bit of fundraising. They are indeed. If, if I can help with doing a talk on my travels, yes, no charge, I'll come down and do it. So put them in contact with me. And I'm more than willing to come down and do a okay. talk to help them in some way. And this man does a brilliant presentation about his travels around the world. And I will put you in contact, mm. Pat. I thank mm. you for that offer yeah, today. Well, Geraldine Carr, it's lovely to meet you <laughs> on Late so Lunch today. And thank Mr. You. Pat Murphy again. Thank and you, for Janet. the two of you, I want to dedicate this song to you because <laughs> I think it just sums up. I love this song. And Louise has set it up there for us. It's Mr. John Legend. And it's called All of Me. And all of our good wishes, health and happiness to both of you. Thank you very much. Thank you you both for joining us on the show. Thank you. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. The Renault Selection used car event is now on. If you want to save thousands, check out this month's offers, including low APR finance, two years warranty and roadside assistance. Terms and conditions apply. Uh, the message is pouring in for uh, Pat and Geraldine. Patricia Whitburn's been on to say we're so happy for both of you. Only sorry we can't make it to Ireland this time round. Would be nice. Would be nice to have uh, met you, Geraldine. But will do soon. Uh, Geraldine Sherman saying glad you found happiness again. Best of luck to both of you. Jackie Patton again. Happiness together forever. Mickey O'Sullivan's been on. Fiona Martin delighted for both of you. And so on and so they go. Uh, they go. Ralph Lynch is saying. Keeping happy and healthy should be foremost for both of you. Uh, Always cherish your memories. Keep well. Regards, Ralph. And so on they go. Now, did you know this? Irish people are checking in with social media up to 55 times a day. No surprise when you consider 
Many of the international platform providers have their headquarters in Dublin and how we depend on them for jobs and economically. But this growing addiction is not good. I'm joined by Michael Saunders, who's co-author of Social Butterflies, which explores this and how to turn the negatives into positives. Good afternoon to you. Thanks for joining me, Michael. Good afternoon, thanks for having me. Um, We want to belong more than ever. We were talking about this as well a little earlier in the show with Dr Harry Barry and a mental health feature we did. Um, And this is causing problems for us instinctively and with judgment. Is that the overriding factor? Uh, so it's not necessarily causing problems, but it certainly can do. So we want to be part of a group. Uh, we'll do a lot to become a part of a group. And once we're in, we will punish people who are part of the group who don't behave in the right way, who don't sort of conform to what we think the group is all about. And we also will push away members of uh, other groups. And this could be whether or not you're the supporter of a particular uh, sports team. It could be if you're the supporter of a particular um political party, it could be the road you live on, it could be something as simple as whether you identify as a Hufflepuff in Harry Potter rather than a Gryffindor. Um, So we want to be part of these groups, and that can cause problems, but it can also cause a lot of positive things, which we address in the book. So our desire to belong to be part of of something can make us uh, do a lot to protect other members of our group, to support those around us, to sort of have a strong sense of community. So that kind of thing can can have a positive impact. But what we say in the book is that we really need to work hard and we need to, uh, governments and organisations need to work harder and smarter than they are at the moment to make sure that we're getting the good out of those social instincts and not the not the ills that we've been seeing lately. And those ills you talk about are trolls and trolling. There's extremists on there and it's anonymous to a great degree. It's not regulated very tightly either. All, all, all those things are facilitating the negative. Uh, that's exactly right. So you have sort of the passive bad. So people are anonymous and people will say anonymously things they wouldn't even consider saying if, if they were face to face with somebody. If, if their mothers could hear them say it, they'd be, they'd be appalled. They'd never do it. Um, so you have passive bads like that. You have people becoming very cliquey. Um, you had the, the natural spread of misinformation. So uh, things like the anti-vaccine movement, sort of people just passively share these things. So they think it's positive. But you also have sort of more active bads. You have people like, as you sort of, you touched on uh, people who are running concerted troll campaigns to spread fake news. You have in in the UK and in the United States, you have Cambridge Analytica who tried to use these sort of social instincts, these instincts to share and to learn from other people to manipulate the uh, results of elections, it's alleged, and to sort of put democracy itself at risk. So you have the sort of, the passive bads which are sort of They've been around forever, but what you see now is this new emerging phenomenon of of organisations putting a lot of time, energy and money into how they can exploit these instincts for for nefarious purposes. That manipulation is uh, shocking and and is still going on as we speak. And, you know, the influencing of elections, uh, sowing division and hatred and really undermining trust globally. So, look. Where are you coming from exactly? Where do you see the potential uh, to turn, you know, all that I've talked about negatives nearly all uh, for the last number of moments with you into positives? Where are the positive aspects of this and how do you action them? Uh, so there are a lot of positives. Every every negative force has a positive equivalent. So uh, this social instinct, this desire to reach out to find people like ourselves, 
Uh, we saw in one big study we did in the UK uh, by showing people just a, a simple role model, somebody who's like them, who's uh, in an aspirational place at a good university. That, that simple intervention led to 300 extra people from lower income families going to a good university. So that's, that's a huge number, mm. uh, about, a, about a 20% increase compared to what was before. So that's, that's a positive thing coming out of the social. We managed to get uh, employees of a really large uh, company to do about 20% more exercise, to burn 20% more calories over the course of every day by manipulating the fact that they, you know, we want to have a sort of friendly rivalry with the with the team next door or the team across the corridor. So that again, that's 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 a really positive thing. We've done a set of interventions. We built a sort of a social media app of our own. It's called Networky, which had about 100,000 users. Uh, last year, all of them sort of young people who are looking to make friends in a positive way. And we've designed that uh, platform, unlike Facebook, which designed it to be a sort of a free-for-all, and it's not, not my fault if, if people do horrible things. We designed that to be a much safer platform to get uh, young people to be able to, to form new friendships, to build their social capital, perhaps meet people who they wouldn't otherwise have met, and to understand people from different backgrounds better. What we see from that is it leads to about a, a one-third drop in college dropouts. We see more people uh, succeeding and thriving at university and taking part in, in clubs and social activities as a consequence of it. So there is a lot of, there's a lot of positive stuff that can be done through these platforms. But at the moment, as you say, most of the, sort of the effort and most of the thought is going into the, the harms. And you know, those yes. are absolutely worth the government's focusing on as well and thinking about regulation. But we shouldn't, we shouldn't be seduced by the the beauty of bad things and think that's that's all there is there is a lot of good that we can get if we if we get into the game well i mentioned 55 times a day a lot of irish people it's incredible really and that addiction in itself can't be a good thing it, has the horse bolted in this case is it too late that, that you say you know in its time and place and if you do that then that people you know interacting with people in real life will hone their instincts instincts and their judgment may be better or is, is that is that gone at this stage uh, so i don't think it's gone i think what it's worth noting the reason people are checking these platforms 50 times a day it's the first thing we do when we wake up it's the last thing we do before we go uh, to bed the reason for that is because they're taking advantage of our basic human instinct to want to socialize with people. It's not mm. like we're, it's, it's kind of a weird one. You lie in bed next to your spouse on your phone, and that seems quite antisocial if you take a picture of it, but you're both talking to perhaps a dozen other people out there. So it's, it's changing the way we socialize rather than destroying it necessarily. But as you said before, there is a big risk of us destroying some of the good stuff if what you're doing is communicating with people on forums or over YouTube or on Twitter anonymously and you're just using that time to attack people. But if you're using it to, so this, this morning, for example, I was, I was messaging as soon as I woke up with a good friend uh, who, who lives in Australia. Um, and last night, I, before I went to bed, I was messaging a friend who lives in America. These are social connections that I absolutely couldn't have been maintaining in the world before social media, before sort of global interconnectedness. And so if we're getting more of that stuff and not more of the hate, then it could be good. It's just a case of, as I say, steering people towards the good end of the spectrum, not the bad end of the spectrum. And in this book, Social Butterflies, that's what you do. You're addressing this. And you see this, you mentioned a moment ago, as a, an expanding area and an area that has to be developed, explored and resources put into going forward to turn this round from the total negativity into a much more positive uh, place to be and to interact. Yeah, I think that's right. So we... To a certain extent, the horse has bolted. We've got 2 billion plus users of Facebook. That's not going to go away. We can't put that back in the box. So 
what we have left to do is try and work out how we can use it more positively, how we can use this amazing power of social influence to make the world uh, a better place. So the book is sort of, it's partially a reflection on the last sort of eight years of research that Susanna and I have done on trying to do exactly that. Um, but it's also partially a call to arms for people in government, in organizations, and every single one of us, because we're always uh, influencing each other in ways that we perhaps don't realize and being influenced by the people. It's a call to arms for all of us to be more mindful, more thoughtful, and more energetic in the way that we use our social influence for good rather than allowing these passive bads or these active bads to, to take over. I think it's really timely and I want to congratulate yourself and Susanna on this uh, work at at this time and it it really is uh, making its mark. I know I've seen already uh, the impact it's making and I wish you well with it and it's uh, the start of a a road ahead that's uh, good to hear about today and puts it more in a positive light. Thank you very much for taking our call, Michael. Thank you very much. Have a great day. You too. Take care now. It's called Social Butterflies, Reclaiming the Positive Power of Social Networks. And it's the first of these books that I've actually seen that is uh, addressing this particular issue as well, because there are so many negatives around it at the moment. But surely we have something that's brilliant and can be used ultimately for much better good. You're with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Up next on the show, we'll be talking to Karen Mahan. She's a Cool Planet champion. What is that all about? You're going to find out if you stay with us. And after three, well, sure, we can't leave them out today. Could we? Tottenham Hotspur win last night in Holland and the Tottenham fans are coming out of the woodwork everywhere. And they'll be here with us a little later. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. The Renault Selection used car event is now on. If you want to save thousands, check out this month's offers, including low APR finance, two years warranty and roadside assistance. Terms and conditions apply. Our regular listeners will know that recently we had a special late lunch totally dedicated to climate change and environmental matters. And my word, even since that show, when you look at the news nationally and internationally, this is now starting to dominate. And rightly so. And that's why I'm joined by my next guest on the show today. She's a cool planet champion for me. Karen Mahan, good afternoon. Hi, Eddie. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much for joining me on the show. Tell me this. What's a Cool Planet champion? Well, the Cool Planet experience was set up by um, Crowley Carbon. um, And basically, the the idea of it was to give a voice, I suppose, to people on the ground and allow them to to talk to everybody from schools to community groups about what um, climate change is going to mean for them and perhaps maybe build a bit of resilience into the community. You were part of a PPN group. What what a public-private network. What is this? Um, the PPN is a public participation network. Participation, yeah. sorry, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, uh, it's easy to mix up. There's a lot of these uh, acronyms going on. Yeah, around. I know, I know, I know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so, so it was set up really under the Local Government Act in 2014, um, which is uh, under the Aarhus Convention, allows for, for people to get involved in public participation. So basically speaking, this gives a voice again to the public to, to get involved and to, to, I suppose, feed into strategic decision-making decisions by local authorities. Okay, so participation is the name of the game. And for people listening today in County Mead, they can become involved in this. How? Absolutely. Um, well, we have a, currently we have almost 800 groups that are feeding into the public participation network. And this would be made up by three main groups, which would be the community, the environment and social inclusion pillars. So anybody from, let's say, Tidy Towns groups, Meals on Wheels, cultural societies, sports clubs, 
um, environment groups like Ontasco or Birdwatch or even people who are generally interested in the environment we'd be delighted to hear from. And also the social inclusion pillar representing groups whose voices perhaps are not heard in our society, um, groups with addiction issues, disabilities, that sort of thing. Um, so, so how do you get involved? You can uh, link into us on www.ppn.ie and um, the me.cpn.ie, should I say. Uh, but uh, you, can, you can come to any of the meetings. They're, they're advertised quite a lot on local radio through yourselves as well as, uh, as, mm. as others. So what's happening this coming weekend? Uh, there's a special event on. Okay, so the PPN this weekend are hosting their environmental plenary. So we have uh, at least uh, two plenaries per year, which give all of the groups a chance to come together. Um, And this one is themed around the environmental pillar, which means it's mainly about environmental topics. It will be held in uh, Dalgan Park, which is on the main Dublin road. Um, And basically it's it's open for anybody between 10 and 1 o'clock to come to Dalgan um, and, and, and get involved. So the, the meeting will, will involve three different speakers. This particular one, I'll be the first one, and I'm, I'm speaking on climate change as the Cool Planet champion. But we'll also have um, a variety of, of other speakers. Um, Katrina R- Rogerson, which is from the, she's speaking from on the Sustainable Development Goals from the Irish Environmental Network. And then we have Mary Reynolds. I mean, some people will know her. She's she's a landscape designer and has written a book. And uh, she will be explaining about how to become my, more biodiverse in your gardening um, and, and how you should structure your garden uh, in terms of encouraging wildlife in. She's brilliant. I've interviewed her on this show and uh, really enjoyed the conversation with her some time back. Now, you, you mentioned participation and the different uh, three strands to it, community, environmental and social inclusion. But this coming weekend, on Saturday the 11th, uh, from 10 to 1, is that open to anybody to walk into Dalgan Park? Well, we're looking really particularly for, yes, yes and no. We we have membership groups who are invited to the plenary and they're obviously part of it. But we're always encouraging people to to get involved. So as part of the day, we have an open um, forum in the afternoon for people to come and visit Dalgan Park and to see the stands that we've put up. So the membership meeting obviously would be for members only. Okay. And then if people are interested uh, in the afternoon, there is a walk through the maze and um, they'll be able to, to visit the stands that are that are available. OK, there. so that is the public aspect of it. What time can they go to Dalgan then to join in there? After lunch. So OK, after lunch after lunchtime on this Saturday. So we think of Meath as a, a very fertile county, lots of wonderful land, great for growing crops, green county... What challenges are facing people in Meath? I, I think the same in terms of in terms of the environment. The, the very same issues in, are in Meath as are globally a problem. So I, uh, basically, we're we're faced with huge issues with regard to our climate and climate change. Um, we also have a problem with biodiversity loss. But I suppose when when we're looking at issues from from our, our members, they'll say things like, well, we've an issue with the residential green areas or hedgerows or water pollution, perhaps waste and illegal dumping. But all of these, these feed in directly to biodiversity loss. So, you know, whilst we look at it as a particular thing in our own area, it has a knock-on effect, which is not just national but global. So the issues on the world stage are issues in me. And of course, Louther, our sister county here on this station as well, and people have have to get involved in those. And that show I mentioned that we had especially, we tried to do that on the day. We tried to point out to people little changes they can make in their lives that can make a difference. I'm sure you're singing from the same hymn sheet. 
I am, I am, and, and, and I suppose biodiversity feeds into the SDGs, it feeds into, that's the sustainability development goals, it also feeds into our climate action plan. Um, so, you know, I suppose we, we look at them as individual uh, calls to action, but realistically speaking, they all feed into the same thing. And uh, what, what we're supposed, the main message that we were bringing is, what can we do? How can we help ourselves? What can we do to improve the situation? Um, we, we, we do a lot, I suppose, through the PPN itself, but I think uh, it goes from what we do at home. So, so I think we'd, we'd look at, in, in, my, in my presentation on climate change, as, you know, the big things, you know, the, the real biters in terms of how we can knock a hole in our, in our greenhouse gas emissions, things like flight, transport, energy, how we heat our homes, what we eat. Um, those are big, big issues. And, and then there, there are smaller things that we can look at, you know, where we can actually improve at home. So, you know, my, my big thing is, 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 I suppose, copying what David Attenborough says. He said, if I give you one message, it's to say, don't waste. Don't waste anything. Don't waste electricity. Don't waste food. Um, don't waste energy. Do what your granny did. Collect things, reuse them, basically wash things out as much as you can, um, you know, and we, we, we forget that if we go back to simpler, it's, it's common sense. If we go back to a simpler way or more simple way of life, uh, a less disposable way of life, we have a great knock-on in terms of limiting the greenhouse gases that are generated because every product that we use, everything that we eat, has to be transported, has to be packed, has to be brought to our, our, our houses. And, and there are knock-on um, gases emitted through each of those stages. Yep. So the more we can do to localise, do it ourselves, the better. The better. And that is a great message to leave them with today. Wish you well on Saturday, this coming Saturday, Dalgan Park, 10 to 3 and open to the public uh, after lunch to get involved there. Thank you for joining me, Karen, on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Take Not care. at all. Take care of yourself. That's Karen Mahan there. Cool Planet champion for County Meath. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. The Renault Selection Used Car Event is now on. If you want to save thousands, check out this month's offers, including low APR finance, two years warranty and roadside assistance. Terms and conditions apply. Being a gooner myself, I have to say... I'm delighted for Tottenham Hotspur. Now, many Arsenal fans would say not. But last evening, I was watching the game in my local. The boys will confirm it. And when Tottenham got that goal, I'll tell you, I was out of the chair like everybody else. What a night. We thought Liverpool was fantastic the night before. But think about this. In 45 minutes, Tottenham Hotspur turned round a 3-0 deficit to go through to the Champions League final. And today... I never knew there were as many Tottenham Hotspur fans in the world, but they're coming out of the woodwork everywhere. And I'm glad to say I have two of them in the studio with me here today, and we have two on the line as well, who we'll be talking to in a moment. But first up, Keith O'Brien and Mickey Dunner in the studio. You're both welcome to the show. Lads, take them smiles off your faces. Mickey, come on. This is not right being an Arsenal fan on the other side of the desk. Well, tell me this, honestly, Mickey. At 2-0 down last night, 3-0 down on aggregate at halftime, be honest with me, did you really believe Spurs would do it? Not a chance, Jerry. I was uh, confident before the game, I thought they'd do it, but at halftime I'd completely given up. I couldn't believe it. The night before against Liverpool, I thought I saw probably the most incredible night in football ever, but maybe I'm only saying it because I'm a Spurs fan, but last night topped it for me anyway. <laughs> with, like you said yourself, with 45 minutes to do it, away from home. It was just amazing. Now, when they got the one, Moura got the first one, and you think, well, you know, maybe, 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 maybe. But when the second went in, did you start to believe that? When the second went in, I was sure 
they'll get the toad, they're going to win it. But as time went on and on, I kind of started giving up again. And then Fatongan missed the head all late on, and I thought that was the chance. That's it, it's over now. And I just couldn't believe it. I actually burst into tears when he, when Morris scored the late winner. I just, I still can't believe it. Isn't that marvellous? Keith O'Brien, welcome to the show. Sports fan all his life. His dad, your dad was a sports fan as well, isn't he? Oh, he is, yeah. All his yeah. life yeah, as well. Life, so yeah. he gave Tottenham to you, was that it? Yeah, because like, obviously he had uh, five sons and none of them were sports ball, so I think he kind of kind of said to me that some money's had to support him so <laughs> it was you it was me yeah <laughs> well weren't you lucky last night come on the game we were talking to Mickey there two for Tottenham and time is ticking away they missed that late chance what happened in your house oh uh, well Jerry, <laughs> my, my dad was out obviously watching it but I was watching it on my own in the sitting room and uh, now at half time I got to hold my hands up Jerry as Mickey said I didn't give a sport to breeze like because Spurs are known for having no leaders on the team, you know what I mean? So whatever went on at half time we don't know. Um I didn't think Ajax I didn't think Spurs scored three without reply from Ajax because Ajax are a very good team and I thought Spurs would have to go at them to get to get the goal, you know. So I thought Ajax I Ajax had to post obviously a couple of times. So when the fours went in it said, Right, okay, two more goals. Next one went in, great. But as we could say, for Tonga's chance, I was like, Oh, but I jumped out of my seat, Jerry. My mother and sister come down and say, Well, what's going on? <laughs> Uh, and they, they, they were, they were delighted as well, you know, because. Uh, but I uh, couldn't believe it, Jerry. I just think our names in the trophy, <laughs> <laughs> and there was no more time. That's the thing about no. it. Time was up. I know they tipped off. Do you see all the IX players standing yeah. on the yeah. line yeah. to charge yeah. forward? Yeah, get ready to run. Ready to I, run. I, I, and I saw a video of the IX fans in the pub counting down the time when it went to ninety-five. Sports just scored like straight away, and just. just you know, so it was, just it was all over at that yeah. stage. Yeah. Now we have uh, some callers on the line, and we're going to talk to them in a moment. But you know what? Would you stick them headphones on there. Would you like to relive those moments again here Love this to. afternoon? Would that be oh, all right yeah. if we did that yeah. for the boys? Because uh, waiting to talk to me is your dad is on the line. I have to tell you, Keith, Pat, and uh, we'll also be talking to Noel Farnan, who's listening in. Louise, spin it there. Let's hear it again. Can he play it across to Ericsson? Lucas Moore is running in now. Lucas Moore. Spurs are still in this. There is the glimmer of hope that they've been relentlessly fighting for since the restart. Lucas Moore has done it again. Incredible. Just incredible. Are we about to witness another epic Champions League turnaround? Comes to Deli Alley, through to Lucas Moura! Lucas Moura has fired Spurs through to Madrid to the Champions League final! Hey boys, does it get better every time? <laughs> the hair standing up at the back of my neck, <laughs> listening to that chair, it's amazing. Oh, oh my amazing. god, it's something else. Pat O'Brien is on the line, Keith's dad. Hello, Pat. How you doing, Gary? I'm very good. Well, how are you feeling? Oh, I'm just a bit calm down. It's amazing. <laughs> How long are you following Tottenham? Uh, over 50 years. My, oh my, that long? Yeah. And all the years of heartache. Yes, they've won a few cups. Uh, they were I in contention. Cups, yeah. Yeah, they've been in contention for the league, uh, yeah. you know, on the periphery as well. That must beat Banahar, does it, last I've night? i copped it all, like, you know, beats them. Mm. What do you Top feel today, you know, that you're in the final against the odds and just, thinking about Liverpool? Just, I'm not, I'm not thinking about Liverpool at all. I'm just thinking about what happened last night. Like, you 
<laughs> you're not moving on. Never felt like the bottom of me like you know. <laughs> you want least. you want this glow to last, do you? Yeah, absolutely. What what what, what did you feel going into the game last night? Had had you any yeah, hope at all? Yeah, absolutely. Just one nil down. Yeah, he scored a goal early on, and then we were in it. But unfortunately, they got two goals, and the half time only saw was gone. Like, you know, mm. and, and to get an early goal. Yeah, forty five, like forty five minutes it was. Let's let's call a spade a spade. Yeah. It was the second That's half plus right. the other time that they did it in, and without their talisman, Harry Kane. Yeah, absolutely. I see my son and more. I mean, it's a two fantastic players, you know. Mm. And the and other so, thing, Pat, you, yeah. the thing to say about I saw Levy, the chairman on the pitch last night, by yeah. God, he was a happy man. He doesn't really splash the cash. No, he's a pure businessman, I think. That's why he is, you know. But I think he, he's going to have to do it now, like, you know. Yeah, he really is going to have to open the yeah. purse strings. What do you say about this fella, Pochettino, the manager? Absolutely amazing. He's there four years now, and uh, what he's achieved in the four years. I mean, after three games of this championship, we'd only one point, you know. That's right. And uh, look where we are now. Looked like you were going out. Absolutely it, gone. It really did. It was incredible. Incredible. Yeah. Stay there, Pat. Don't go anywhere because we have another sports fan. I'll tell you one thing. We could have filled this whole show this afternoon with Tottenham fans. They've come from everywhere. Noel Farnan from Maharikloon is on the line. Has he a voice? Let's hear. Noel, afternoon. I still have a voice, so I do. <laughs> Where were you watching the game? I watched the game at home last night, so I did, with uh, two other sports fans, my son, Keith, who's 16, and Maria, 8. So I did. And it was it was a quiet first half, so it was. Yeah. But um, in the second half, definitely it got a bit more exciting. Um yeah, it was incredible night. So it was you. You couldn't see that happening at half time, but I think the changes made a massive difference. Bringing Lorente on, he was really an unsung hero last night. Mm. He was. He made the difference. Mm. So and he did. He he got the flick ons to allow the other players to get in around him and get 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 the goals more in particular, obviously. Yeah, what a hat trick for that man! And tell us, with uh, the two younger people that were there, which you know last night, you know the way we see the scenes from the the BT Sports studios when the final goal went in. Was it similar in your house? It was a bit like that. Was it? My dad and Keith were lucky enough. We were at the City game, so we were in in the new stadium, so we were, and we were actually in the White Wall that night, so we were, mm. and it was absolutely mental. So it was, yeah. You go yeah. over to see them a yeah. bit, don't you? We do, yeah. Um, we've, been, we've been lucky enough to get tickets for some of the bigger games lately, especially in the last season or two when we were playing in Wembley. We, we've seen Barcelona, so we have. Um, and uh, we've seen the, the last 16 match against Dortmund yeah. as well, which was a 3-0 win on the night. It was awesome that night as well, the atmosphere. And as I say, the new stadium, the atmosphere in it is absolutely incredible. Mm. It it's a wonderful place. It is the yeah. number one stadium, I would say, in the world at the moment. State of the art. What about the final in Madrid on the 1st of June? Have you tickets? Are you looking for tickets? Will you go? Can you help me out? <laughs> <laughs> hey, the boys are even laughing at that here in studio with me, Keith and Mickey. They're laughing as well. Can I help you out? I'd say the world and his mother. Well, look, I have to say this to you, Noel. Honest to God, I didn't realise Tottenham were so well supported until today. Um, yeah, Tottenham have have been growing in support over the last number of years. Um, 
and even with the move to Wembley, they seem to gather up more support as well. Mm. Um, it's very hard to get tickets now, even for the new stadium. Right. So it is mm. very hard. Mm. Um, and it's look, it will grow and grow as far as I can see. Mm. Sixteen thousand tickets for the final. It's not a lot to go round, is it? It's not a lot. I think your chance of getting them off the club, like there's forty thousand. 42,000 season ticket holders in Tottenham. 16,000 tickets. Oh my, oh my. So it's, there's not a chance of getting them off the club unless you're a season ticket holder on that. that the season ticket holders will be mm. the, the ones who are attending the most matches will get them, which is proper order. Yeah. So it is. So it's a matter of looking for them elsewhere. Which you'll so be doing. Is, which I will be doing. Will. I have I have people on the ground in Spain. <laughs> So how looking as we speak. Uh, I know the way it works. Can I tell you, when Arsenal got to the final, I, I shouldn't even mention that crowd today, but anyway, I do follow them for my sins. I got a ticket for the final, Noel. Uh, boys, I got a ticket for the final. And I'll tell you a little story. I went to Paris with the ticket, and before the game, they lost to Barcelona that night. The keeper was sent off, and Henri, as usual, missed a hat full of chances. But anyway, that, that, that besides... <laughs> oh, no, Noel. Oh, Noel. I'm ending this interview now. I am. I enjoyed it. Louise, cut them all off. Cut them all. I've had enough of it. <laughs> anyway, just to tell you a little story. Before the game, a guy got talking to me, and he had his mate with him. He had one ticket, and his mate had none. Noel, this is true as God, and they may strike me dead in this minute. He counted out £3,000 sterling in front of me on the table yeah. for, for the ticket. Did I sell it? No. no. You couldn't. You know what I mean? Just a, just a little, little aside to it. You couldn't. But that's how much, you know, these tickets will be in demand. Let's go back to Pat O'Brien. On, Pat's still on the line there. Pat, I, 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 do, I know you're in the, in, in the glow of today, but yeah. I, I want to say something to you. I think Liverpool would have preferred to play Ajax. Absolutely, without a doubt, yeah. You have I mean, a real suppose, chance. Yeah, well, I suppose should have bet them in Anfield in March, like, you know, they they bet us 2-1 and we'd no, we'd no luck at all, like, you know. Yeah. And uh, on the night, it's over 19 minutes and made the best team win, like, you know, but I've been itchy feeling it's going to be sports here. <sighs> Boys, back in studio. Come on, Mickey, what what do you feel? Do you agree with what Pat had to say there? Just like Pat said, yeah, we should have bet them uh, in March. Definitely didn't deserve to lose that game. And, yeah, I, I'm confident. The I boys, by the way, are all wearing their spores, jerseys and tops here today. Come on, Keith. What, make a prediction on the final. Spores are going to win, Jerry. I'm usually... 3-1. You know, yeah. Like, <laughs> what did you say? 3-1? Three, 3-1. One. Three, one. Yeah. I'm going to go 3-2 spores. Oh, it's getting tighter as we speak. What about the boys in the line? Any prediction, Pat? Yeah, 3-2, I think we said there'll be plenty of goals, yeah. My God, I think it's gone to the head here today. Back <laughs> to Noel. Noel, are you more pragmatic? What do you feel? I'll take a win anyway at all. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I One don't way. mind, as long as Spurs come out on top. <laughs> do you know what? It's a great story, and I think the last two nights of football, I'll say to you all, you know, soccer has been blackened here at home through what's been happening at the FAI the corruption in UEFA and FIFA and all that's gone on there in recent years but it still is I say to you the beautiful game the world game the greatest game in the world and the last two nights 
have really proven that. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. Joe. You know, when you see games like that, it's absolutely sensational. It really is. Well, Tottenham fans, and they were queuing up to come on the, with me here today. I, I'm grateful you are. I'm, I'm thrilled that you've been in studio with us, Keith O'Brien and Mickey Dunn. Thank you very much Long for joining me. Those smiles will never come off them faces <laughs> till the 1st of June, at least. And lovely to talk to Noel Farnan and Pat Keith's dad, Pat O'Brien, on the line as well. Congratulations to y'all. And there's only one way to finish this show today, even though it pains me. <laughs> We'll say goodbye to you with the Tottenham song and say a Hail Mary for Arsenal tonight that they don't let the side down. I feel they'll be the only English club that won't make it. Chelsea will make it to the Europa final. I'm pessimistic about the Gunners, but we'll see anyway. Anyway, for all Tottenham fans, here it is. Best of luck on the 1st of June and thank you all for joining me on the show. Thank you. with Blackstone Motors. The Renault Selection used car event is now on. If you want to save thousands, check out this month's offers, including low APR finance, two years warranty and roadside assistance. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.